You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hope that you are having a fantastic week so far. We are wrapping up a subthread entitled Responses. Over the last couple months, we've been looking at different ways that we respond to God. You can find all of those on previous episodes of the podcast if you want to get caught up. This week, we're going to talk about altars. Altars are not something that we use in today's culture very often, but they were absolutely massive in the Old Testament. It can be really easy for us in our Western culture to kind of relegate altars as just these statues or physical things. But altars were really important because altars were a place of communication. They were a place of remembrance and they are found all throughout scripture, mainly in the old Testament, but even in the new Testament, there's several references to what altars represent in our lives. So first is this is that altars serve as places of sacrifice and obedience. We aren't going to jump into a specific verse, but if we were to look at Leviticus chapter 4, we would see an entire chapter that lays out the ceremony of sin offering. If you look at the book of Leviticus, you see all of this Levitical law that is placed, uh, put in place to show the Israelites what it meant to have a relationship with God and, and what role priesthood and, and all of these different things would play in their relationship with God. But Leviticus chapter 4 is simply entitled Sin Offering. And it lays out how a priest would take the appropriate animal and sacrifice it in the temple on behalf of a person or people. There would even be these large sin offerings that were done on the entire on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. And for many of us, when we think of altars and sacrifice, we think about this being the reason to wash away our sins. Like that is why Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So we looked and, and we saw whether it be birds or lambs or, or cows or whatever sacrificed before the Lord. We then look at Jesus and say, well, he was the ultimate sin offering, and he absolutely was. What is being communicated was that the Israelites, Israelites recognized their brokenness and made the offering. What Jesus communicated was that his sacrifice was the final sin offering. It covered all iniquities for all time, that we no longer have to present sin offerings before the Lord and sacrifice animals because Jesus did what he did. So there's no arguing that Jesus was the ultimate sin offering. He did what he did on behalf of all people for all time. Absolutely incredible. We can say yes and amen to that. But just because Jesus was the ultimate sin offering doesn't mean that there is no longer a reason for us to to think about what altars mean in our lives today. And while there might not be altars that we sacrifice animals on, there are definitely altars in our lives, both physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, whatever it may be, that still play a huge role in our lives. So what I want to do is is look at some other verses that um, still would apply to us today. The next thing is this, is that altars serve as a place of encounter. In Genesis chapter 8, Jacob, one of the fathers of Israel, takes a nap, and it's just the most biblical thing in the world. It says that he finds a stone and lays his head on the stone and falls asleep because there weren't anything, there was no such thing as pillows uh, for Jacob in that circumstance. So he uses a rock, and what it happens is he has this wicked dream. He has this crazy dream um, about heaven and all of these different things. And I want to pick up at the at the back end of this chapter, Genesis chapter 28, and just look at verses 15 through 19. This is God speaking to Jacob. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. 
I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named the place Bethel, though previously the city was named Luz. So here is what we have to understand. There are going to be moments in our lives where we have these encounters with God. Jacob has this encounter with God. He takes this physical stone. He places it as a marker, as a place to remember that God encountered him right there. And for us, we can let those moments, those moment of, moments of encounter with God, and we can let them live in those moments only, or we can create altars so that we don't forget them when God feels distant. Because inevitably, there are going to be times in our lives where God doesn't feel as close as he does at other times. But when we build altars, whether it be physical or something internal, when we build altars towards the Lord to remember the moments where God encountered us, we can come back to those things. We don't want to just let those moments stay in that moment alone and let them go away. You see, God is going to step into our lives without question, but he is not the altar builder. He is the reason that we build the altars. So when moments of encounter happen with God, we don't look at God and say, hey, can you build an altar so that I remember what you did here? No, God does the thing that requires of us an altar to be built. He's like, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do something big. But our participate participation in that relationship is, okay, I'm going to build an altar to the Lord right here. I do not want to forget how God encountered me in this moment. And when in when there are moments where I feel like God's not present, I will look and say, yes, he is. He has proven it time and time again. There is incredible value in intentionally creating altar, altars, physical or not, to mark out the moments where God did something big. That leads us to the third way. Altars place altars serve as places of worship. One of the big things that scripture constantly comes back to in the Old Testament is that people that the people of Israel were called to worship. Not just when they felt like God was near, not just in those moments of encounter, not just then, but always. There were altars where they did offerings of incense daily. And this was an offering unto the Lord that was a constant worship to God. Exodus chapter 30 verses 7 through 9. Aaron, the brother of Moses, must burn fragrant incense on it. He must burn it every morning when he tends the lamps. When Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he must burn incense. There is to be an incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You hear that? Throughout your generations. You must not offer unauthorized incense on it or burnt or grain or a burnt or grain offering, you are not to pour a drink offering on it. This was incense only because incense was a worship under the Lord. This was a very specific type of altar, a very specific type of sacrifice that was happening from the Levitical priests unto the Lord on behalf of the nation of Israel. Every single morning and every single evening, Aaron tended to this area and they were burning incense unto the Lord. I was once listening to a pastor uh, that talked about just the way that he set himself up for his days. It says that he he said that he rolls out of bed and before his feet can even touch the ground, he lets his knees touch the ground. And he asks three things or makes three statements. You are holy. What do you want to show me today? And who do you want me to serve today? Absolutely incredible. 
And I, I, this is a guy that I was like, man, I want to be like you when I grow up. And so now I do that every single, I'm just kidding. I don't do that every single day. I think I would love to do that every single day. Um, I just don't have that kind of discipline yet, but it was a really good reminder to me as I think about daily worship of the Lord. Am I setting myself up in a way where my posture would indicate that my worship is not just happening in these little fragmented moments that are that are curated for me to worship God but am I constantly worshiping Jesus every single day are we people who offer up our worship daily and if we say yes great how are we doing that what are we doing in our daily lives that creates an altar of worship under the Lord I'm not saying that you're having to to burn incense all day long because undoubtedly it'll look different for each one of us. I'm not here to tell you what your altar needs to look like. Maybe it's a physical space. Maybe it's a daily action or maybe it's a daily prayer, but what are we doing in our lives to create altars of worship under the Lord? What reminds us to be in a posture of worship and what can God look at in our lives and say, man, they are constantly worshiping me. Whatever it may be, let us set up altars that proclaim that God is good, that God is who he said he is, and we are people who want to exalt him. Now, undoubtedly, there are other ways that altars play a part in scripture, but we don't have time to hit every single one, but I want to rapid fire a couple other ways that are that are shown throughout scripture. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, it's indicated that altars serve as a place to display God's power. I think about a story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. If you're not familiar with that story, go read that story. It's absolutely incredible. The Spark Notes version is this, is that there's a hundred prophets uh, of Baal and there's this one prophet of God and his name's Elijah and they have these two large altars and they're, they're having essentially a competition and Elijah challenges these prophets to have Baal set their altar on fire. And so they are screaming and yelling and praying unto Baal, will you set this on fire? They're cutting their bodies. They're doing all of these things. And Baal obviously does not show up. And so Elijah doesn't just ask God to set this altar on fire. He says, come bring water, pour water on this altar, drench this thing with water. And then he goes, Lord, I know who you are. Set this altar on fire and fire comes down from heaven, sets the entire thing on fire. It's just this incredible story that indicates the power of God. So altars serve as a place to display God's power. Altars also serve as a place of covenant. If you look throughout all of the Old Testament, there are these altars built when promises are made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and all of these people in the Old Testament. And there are altars that are built when God fulfills those promises. So altars serve as a place of covenant. And then altars serve as a place of intercession. There are stories, one of them being the prophet Joel coming before an altar and intercessing on behalf of the nation of Israel before God, before the elders, because they're going through an economic collapse. There's so many bad things that are happening, but there's this moment of intercession from Joel. For, so for us, what what are we doing in our lives? What, what are the altars in our life where we can intercess on behalf of the people around us? Ultimately, altars serve to remind us. Would we never forget who God is and altars give us something to come back to. They remind us of something where we can come back and we can say, yeah, God showed up. God encountered me there that I, I worship God because I remember what he's done in my life. All of those different things. It is a, a, a opportunity for us to come back to knowing who God is. Now I want to pivot a little bit and I want to look at a story out of the old Testament about a King in Judah. Um, it's a little bit longer, so bear with me. But in Second Chronicles chapter 33, 
which is this book, Second Chronicles, who chronicle the kings of Israel and Judah, and they talk about these things, and it almost always start, as we'll see in this chapter, of either this king did things that were good in the eyes of the Lord, or this king did things that are bad in the eyes of the Lord. But chapter 33 talks about this young king named Manasseh, and it's a really unique story that I think speaks to us as a people as well. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 16, so buckle up. Manasseh was 12 years old, 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had torn down and reestablished the altars for the Baals. He made Asherah poles, and he bowed in worship to all the stars in the sky, and he served them. He built altars in the Lord's temple where the Lord had said, Jerusalem is where my name will remain forever. He built altars to all the stars in the sky in both the courtyards of the Lord's temple. He passed his sons through the fire in Ben-Hinnim Valley. He practiced witchcraft, divination, and sorcery and consulted, consulted with mediums and spiritists. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight, angering him. Manasseh set up carved images of the idol which he had made in God's temple that God had spoken about to David and his son Solomon. I will establish my name forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of the tribes of Israel. I will never again remove the feet of the Israelites from the land where I stationed your your ancestors. If only they will be careful to do all I have commanded them through Moses, all the law, statutes, and judgments. So Manasseh caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to stray so that they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before them. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they did not listen. So he brought against them the military commanders of the king of Assyria. They captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, he sought the favor of the Lord, his God, and earnestly humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. He prayed to him, and the Lord was receptive to his prayer. He granted his request and brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. So Manasseh came to know that the Lord is God. After this, he built the outer wall of the city of David from west of Gihon in the valley to the entrance of the fish gate. He brought it around to Ophel and he heightened it considerably. He also placed military commanders in all of the fortified cities of Judah. He removed the foreign gods and the idols from the Lord's temple, along with the altars that he had built on the mountain of the Lord's temple and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. He built the altar of the Lord and offered fellowship and thanksgiving sacrifices on it. Then he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. So a long passage, but some really relevant points for us to look at. The first one would be this, is that we can build altars to the wrong things. We can build altars to the wrong things. Here's the thing. Whether we are intentionally doing it or not, we are in fact building altars. The question that we have to ask ourselves is whether or not those altars are for the right things. We talk about it all the time, but Jesus has to be first always. We are building altars and are the biggest altars in our lives indicating that our lives and our worship are directed towards Jesus. There's nothing bad about remembering the good time spent with friends and family. We can build altars to remember the good things that have happened in our lives, but don't miss Jesus in those moments. He is very present. You can be reminded of how much you love your job, but don't miss the fact that Jesus created that passion in you. 
You can be reminded of all the things that you have accomplished, but don't neglect a God who equipped you for those very accomplishments. As we build altars to the things that have happened in our lives or the relationships that we've been blessed with, let us not miss the fact that Jesus is right in the middle of those things. What are we building altars to? What are we worshiping? Because whether we are trying or not, we are building altars in our lives and our attention and our time will go towards the things that we have built the biggest altars to. So what are we building altars to? Secondly, is that we often don't listen. This passage just straight up says that the Lord was speaking to Manasseh and his people. Now, Yes, Manasseh was their king, but God was their creator and their ultimate king. So when we, when it says his people, it doesn't just mean the people that are following Manasseh. This is God speaking to his people, his chosen people, and they are not listening. It's a reminder to us that those of us who claim to follow Jesus can say that we are following Jesus, but we can often miss the voice of God because we are not actually looking for it. You see, we have to ask ourselves the question, Have we taken time to actually sit down and be attuned to the voice of God? We need to find ways to do that, creating physical places to do that and having the mentality that God is always speaking. Are we listening? Uh, This summer, I I drive around a uh, 2008 Buddy Blackjack scooter. It's not a motorcycle. It's a 150cc scooter. Um, I am about the same size as a scooter. I'm on the wheels are, are dinner plates, but it goes 60 miles an hour and it gets 80 miles to the gallon and I'm, I'm saving cash and it's, it's great. It's awesome. The downside is this, is that I don't get to listen to music in my car. Uh, I don't get to listen to sports radio. I don't get to listen to anything. So it's just a commute that is just full of me hearing the scooter and nothing else. And I just was thinking about it the other day and God really convicted me. He said, hey, you want to listen to music, but maybe this is an opportunity that you can take to just listen to me. And I was like, man, I don't take intentional time to listen to God. So now for the last couple of days, what have I been doing on that 10-minute drive that is silent? Listening to God, having conversations with God, but listening more than I'm speaking. And it has been really, really life-giving as I start my day with my commute to work or going home for lunch or whatever it may be. I get to take time to listen to God. So what can you do in your everyday life to set apart some time to listen for the voice of God? Let us be people individually and collectively who do whatever we can to become familiar with how God is wanting to speak to us. Because God said, Manasseh, my people, I've chosen all of you, but you will not listen to me. The third point is this, is that God still listens even when we don't. When Manasseh gets captured and is taken to Babylon, when he earnestly cries out to the Lord in distress, God responds. The dude was promoting witchcraft and idol worship, and yet God still chooses him. My humanity shows so much as I listen to the story because Manasseh cries out, and I want to be like, no, dude, you made your mistakes. Like, you can die now. Like, go ahead and rot. And God could have let him do that. He could have abandoned him. But instead, God responds. And not only does he respond, he restores and forgives and gives him a position of influence again. 
Now, I could be off here, but I'm guessing if you're listening to this, uh, you're not currently dabbling in any sorcery, light witchcraft, anything like that, building idols to Baal. I That's just a, a, an assumption of mine. But so often we think that God is not listening to us because of something that we've done or, or the brokenness of our lives or whatever it may be. Here's the point. It does not matter what we've done. It does not matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how far we've strayed. He's still waiting to talk to us, to save us, to respond to us, to restore us. Okay, let's look quickly at verses 15 through 16. Again, it says this. It says that he removed the foreign gods and the idols from the Lord's temple, along with all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the Lord's temple and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. He then built the altar of the Lord and offered fellowship and thanksgiving sacrifices on it. And then he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The last point is this, is that we get to build new altars. We get to build new altars. He threw out the very altars that he had built up to that point. We can throw out the very altars that we have built up to this point in our lives. We've built altars to the wrong things. There's no questioning that. But we can get rid of those things and build new altars. God always gives us the opportunity to build new altars. It isn't too late. We're not too far gone. So let's burn the physical altars, the emotional altars, the spiritual altars, the the relational altars that we have constructed that are outside the will of God. And let's build something new. Because maybe you're thinking, oh man, like my life is broken and it's in pieces. I don't know what I can build. But can I remind you today that altars are made out of the broken pieces. Our lives are full of moments that break and fracture us. And we can take those pieces and we can tie them around our neck. And those can be burdens for the rest of our lives because we're just carrying them with us. Or we can take those broken, fragmented pieces of our lives and we can build altars out of them and say, God, I'm leaving these here in a, in a moment of worship to you. And I'm going to say, Lord, take this. This is me saying, you have my life. And I'm going to come back to this time and time again and say, this was a season that I did not want to go through. This was trauma that I did not want to go through. This was things that were not, not something that I did, but were done to me. But I'm going to take those broken, fragmented pieces of my life and I'm going to build an altar under the Lord. And I'm going to say, you are the one I want to follow. Let's choose to be people that make altars out of the broken pieces of our lives and worship the Lord and not carry that away around us anymore because God's intention for us is not for us to carry all of our burdens, but to hand them over to him. So let's be people who build altars in worship and remembrance to the God who deserves everything. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.